This is John W. Whitehead, author of Battlefield America, The War on the American People, bringing you a message about the state of our nation. Police in a small Georgia town tasered a 5'2", 87-year-old woman who was using a kitchen knife to cut dandelions for use in a recipe. Police claimed they had no choice but to taser this old woman, who does not speak English but was smiling at police to indicate she was friendly because she failed to comply, they said, with orders to put down the knife. Police in California are being sued for using excessive force against a deaf 76-year-old woman who was allegedly jaywalking and failed to halt when police yelled at her. According to the lawsuit, police searched the woman and her grocery bags. She was then slammed to the ground, had a foot or knee placed behind her neck or back, handcuffed, arrested, and cited for jaywalking and, believe it or not, resisting arrest. In Alabama, police first tasered then shot and killed an unarmed man who refused to show his driver's license after attempting to turn in a stray dog he had found to the local dog shelter. The man's girlfriend and their three children, all under the age of 10, witnessed the shooting. Then in New York, Customs and Border Protection officers have come under fire for subjecting female travelers, including minors, to random body searches that include strip searches while ministrating, gentle probing and forced pelvic exams, x-rays, and intravenous drugs at area hospitals. These are not isolated incidents. These cases are legion. This is what a state of undeclared martial law looks like when you can be arrested, tasered, shot, brutalized, and in some cases killed merely for not complying with a government agent's order or not complying fast enough. This isn't just happening to crime-ridden inner cities. It's happening all across America. America has been locked down. This is what it looks like to be a citizen of the American police state. This is what it's like to be an enemy combatant in your own country. This is what it feels like to be a conquered people. This is what it feels like to be an occupied nation. This is what it feels like to live in fear of armed men crashing through your door in the middle of the night or be accused of doing something you never even knew was a crime or to be watched all the time, your movements tracked, your motives questioned. This is what it feels like to have your homeland transformed into a battlefield. Mind you, in a war zone, there are no police, only soldiers. Thus, there is no more Posse Comitatus Act prohibiting the government from using the military and law enforcement capacities. Not when the local police have, for all intents and purposes, already become the military. In a war zone, the soldiers shoot to kill, as American police have now been trained to do. Whether the perceived threat is armed or unarmed or no longer matters when police are authorized to shoot first and then ask questions later. In a war zone, even the youngest members of the community learn at an early age to accept and fear the soldier in their midst. Thanks to funding from the government, more schools are hiring armed police officers, some equipped with semi-automatic AR-15 rifles, to secure their campuses. In a war zone, you have no rights. You are staring down the end of a police rifle. There can be no free speech. When you're being held at bay by a militarized, weaponized, mine-resistant tank, there can be no freedom of assembly. When you're being surveilled with thermal imaging devices, facial recognition software, and full-body cameras and the like, there can be no privacy. When you're charged with disorderly conduct simply for daring to question or photograph or document the injustices you see, with the blessing of the courts 
no less. There can be no freedom to petition the government for a redress of grievances. And when you're a prisoner in your own town, unable to move freely, kept off the streets, issued a curfew at night, there can be no mistaking the fact that the prison walls are closing in. This is happening and will happen anywhere and everywhere else in this country where law enforcement officials are given carte blanche to do what they like, when they like, how they like, with immunity from their superiors, the legislatures, and the courts. You see, what Americans have failed to comprehend, living as they do in a TV-induced, drug-like haze of fabricated realities, narcissistic denial, and partisan politics, is that we've not only brought the military equipment used in Iraq and Afghanistan home to be used against the American people, we've also brought the very spirit of that war home. We, the people, have now come full circle, from being held captive by the British police state to being held captive by the American police state. In between, we have charted a course from revolutionaries fighting for independence and a free people establishing a new nation to pioneers and explorers, braving the wilderness and expanding into new territories. Where we went wrong, however, was in allowing ourselves to be enthralled with and then held hostage by a military empire in bondage to a corporate state, the very definition of fascism. No longer does America hold the moral high ground as a champion of freedom and human rights. Instead, in the pursuit of profit, our overlords have transformed the American landscape into a battlefield, complete with military personnel, tactics, and weapons. To our dismay, we now find ourselves scrambling for a foothold as our once rock-solid Constitution Foundation crumbles beneath our feet. And no longer can we rely on the president, the Congress, the courts, or the police to protect us from wrongdoing. Indeed, the president, Congress, the courts, and the police have come to embody all that is wrong with America. For instance, how does a man who is relatively healthy when taken into police custody lapse into a coma and die while under supervision? What kind of twisted logic allows a police officer to use a police car to run down an American citizen and justifies it in the name of permissible deadly force? And what country are we living in where police can beat, shoot, choke, taser, and tackle American citizens all with the protection of the courts? Certainly, the Constitution's safeguards against police abuse mean nothing when government agents can crash through your door, terrorize your children, shoot your dogs, and jail you on any number of trumped-up charges, and you have little say in the matter. For example, San Diego police responding to a domestic disturbance call on a Sunday morning showed up at the wrong address only to shoot the homeowner's six-year-old service dog in the head. Not even our children are being spared the blowback from a growing police state. As one juvenile court judge noted in testimony to Congress, although having police on public school campuses did not make the schools any safer, it did result in a large number of students being arrested for misdemeanors such as school fights and disorderly conduct. One 11-year-old autistic Virginia student was charged with disorderly conduct and felony assault after kicking a trash can and resisting a police officer's attempt to handcuff him. A 14-year-old student was tasered by police, suspended and charged with disorderly conduct, resisting arrest and trespassing after he failed to obey, listen to this, a teacher's order to be the last student to exit the classroom. There is no end to the government's unmitigated gall in riding roughshod over the rights of the citizens, whether it's in matters of excessive police force, militarized police, domestic training drills, SWAT team raids, surveillance, property rights, overcriminalization, roadside strip searches, profit-driven fines, and prison sentences, and so on and so on. 
The president can now direct the military to detain, arrest, and secretly execute American citizens. These are the powers of an imperial dictator, not an elected official bound by the rule of law. This mantle is worn by whomever occupies the Oval Office now and in the future. And now the powers that be are using our neighbors against us. Indeed, did you know that many schools, churches, private businesses, service providers, nonprofits, our fellow citizens are also marching in lockstep with the police state. This is what is commonly referred to as community policing. After all, the police can't be everywhere. So how do you police a nation when your population outnumbers your army of soldiers? How do you carry out surveillance on a nation when you don't have enough cameras, let alone viewers, to monitor every square inch of the country? around the clock. How do you not only track but analyze the transactions, interactions, and movements of every person within America? The answer is simpler than it seems. You persuade the citizenry to be your eyes and ears. It's a brilliant ploy, with the added bonus that while the citizenry remains focused on and distrustful of each other, they're incapable of focusing on more definable threats that fall closer to home, namely the government and its militarized police. In this way, we're seeing a rise in the incidence of Americans being reported for growing vegetables in their front yard, keeping chickens in their backyard, letting their kids walk to the playground alone, and, believe it or not, voicing anti-government sentiments, things that are protected under our Constitution. Now, it may be that we have nothing to worry about. Perhaps the government really does have our best interests at heart. Perhaps covert domestic military training drills really are just benign exercises to make sure our military is prepared for any contingency. Then again, while I don't believe in worrying over nothing, it's safe to say that the government has not exactly shown itself to be friendly in recent years. Nor has its agents shown themselves to be cognizant of the fact that they are civilians who answer to we the people rather than the other way around. As Aldous Huxley, the great author, warned in a brave New World Revisited, and I'm quoting here, Liberty cannot flourish in a country that is permanently on a war footing or even a near war footing. Permanent crisis justifies permanent control of everybody and everything by the agencies of the central government, unquote. Whether or not the government plans to impose some more overt form of natural law in the future remains to be seen, but there can be no denying that we're being accustomed to life in a military state. The malls may be open for business, the baseball stadiums may be packed, and the news anchors may be twittering nonsense about the latest celebrity foofa. But those are just distractions from what is really taking place, the transformation of America into a war zone. As I document in my book, Battlefield America, The War on the American People, if it looks like a battlefield, armored tanks in the streets, militarized police and metro stations, surveillance cameras everywhere, Sounds like a battlefield, SWAT team raids nightly, sound cannons breaking up large assemblies of American citizens, and acts like a battlefield with the police shooting first and asking questions later, intimidation tactics, and involuntary detentions, it's indeed a battlefield. Indeed, what happened in Ocala, Florida is a good metaphor for what's happening across America. Sheriff's deputies, dressed in special ops uniforms and riding in an armored tank on a public road, pulled a 23-year-old man over and issued a warning violation to him after he gave them the finger. The man, Lucas Jewell, defended his actions as a free speech expression of his distaste for the militarized police. What's the translation here? 
We the people are being hijacked on the highway by government agents with little or no knowledge or regard for the Constitution, who are hyped up on the power of their badge, outfitted for war, eager for combat, and taking a joyride on taxpayer time and money in a military tank that has no business being on America's soil. Rest assured, unless we slam on the brakes, this runaway tank will soon be charting a new course through terrain that bears no resemblance to the land of our forefathers, where freedom meant more than just the freedom to exist and consume what the corporate powers dish out. If you haven't managed to read the writing on the wall, ladies and gentlemen, the message is very clear. The war against the American people has begun. The Rutherford Institute is doing its part to push back against the police state and make the government play by the rules of the Constitution. But we can't fight these battles alone. To join the resistance, visit our website at www.rutherford.org and check out our library of thought-provoking commentaries, legal resources, and so much more. Subscribe to our email alerts and I will send you my weekly commentary, Rutherford press alerts, and a weekly rundown of pertinent headlines and news articles to keep you apprised of the growing threats to our freedoms. And finally, if you are able, please consider making a tax-deductible donation to the Rutherford Institute by again visiting us online at www.rutherford.org or donate using PayPal. Your donation allows the Rutherford Institute to push back against the government's power grabs, corruption, and ongoing assaults on the Constitution. Together, we can make America free again.